CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now on OA, your options roadmap ahead of a monster week of tech results. Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Meta, and more. The charts and the trades coming up. Plus, Starbucks has been brewing up big gains over the last three months. Ahead of its earnings, can options give your portfolio a nice jolt? And later, big money piling into the emerging markets. But with the massive moves already this year, is it too late to jump in? I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action Live from the NASDAQ market site on the desk tonight. Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Brian Stutland. Let's check out some of the names seeing the most options action this week. Among them, Tesla, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, NVIDIA, AMC, and Netflix. Some ETFs catching our traders' eyes as well. ARC, the triple Qs, small caps, emerging markets, and the FXI China large cap ETF. We start off with Apple tonight, out with results on Thursday. The stock is down about 18% from both its year high and year low. So, Carter, which direction do you think is more likely at this point? Yeah, this is sort of a push for me, otherwise known as a pair of twos, not a particularly big bet. You've had a big move, of course, up some 18, 19% off its low. We're right back to the 150-day moving average. And if you were to look at a chart, we're exactly in the midpoint of the range of the past 18 months. Uh, my hunch is to fade it uh, if one wants to be directional. All right. Uh, Mike, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, this is it's interesting. When we take a look at the flow, you pointed out this is one of the names that saw a lot of activity this week. It's always very busy, but it did see some big institutional prints. And earlier this week, we saw a big purchase of the Feb 137 puts. Uh, nearly 14,000, actually, of those uh, were purchased. One of the blocks we saw was just over 13,000. Buyer paid 375. That's relatively short dated. Uh, we're only looking up to uh, February 17th for that, but it, it does seem clear, possibly a hedge, uh, but some institutional participants are, are leaning short like Carter is. Brian, what's your hunch? Well, I mean, when it comes to Apple and a lot of the big mega cap type stocks, this is not the best environment for them. Yes, interest rates have come down on the back end of the curve and, and some of these tech names tend to move up when that happens. But something like Apple, we actually trimmed and sold a little bit today because I think there is some bit of a run, like Carter mentioned, to the upside, and it's not unusual then to see that put buyer come in. To me, that tells me that maybe you get some sort of pullback here. I think there's other parts of the market. When you see the kind of GDP that we're in and the interest rate environment it in, it's not great. Go back to the early 2000s. It wasn't great for the big mega caps. I don't know if this is the environment necessary to hold Apple, but I can see why people are hedging or buying a put on the downside here. All right. Well, on a related note, Apple won its biggest quarterly market share in China last quarter as that country has reopened. Similar news has created a rush of investment into emerging markets. But can performance keep up? And that is the big question, Carter. What do you think? You know, that's exactly the word, rush. It's been impetuous, impulsive, and uh, in my uh, estimation, a bit too far, too fast of late. It's the equal and opposite moment of the despair that we saw when actually major Wall Street firms put out the phrase uninvestable. Of course, that set the low, but now it's love. And you can see in the chart here a rally back to a very difficult level. Uh, I would take profits if long. Mike? Yeah, I mean, first of all, when we were in those lows, we talked a lot about some of these names. We talked about uh, BABA, for example. We talked about KWeb. 
Uh, actually, we uh, were and are still long JD.com. Uh, but, you know, this is quite a run that we've seen. We are back to a difficult level. Some people have taken some profits. Other, I suspect, are hedging them. FXI, one of the biggest trades we saw all week, actually, uh, was a purchase of 43,000 of the April 28 puts, buyer paying just 40 cents for those. You know, they're risking basically a very small amount to put on a hedge in, in the event that it has a fairly sharp pullback to get to that 28 strike. But they have some time to expiration, and those will be profitable, even if it doesn't blow through that strike in the near term. Brian, your thoughts in terms of where it goes down or used to stay long and hedge? Well, I mean, if I had to give a star rating on emerging markets in general, I'd probably give them about a four out of five and, and play a little bit to the upside. But it has run a while. We highlighted a bunch of trades a couple months ago where people were buying call spreads and playing to the upside right to about this level here. So it's not unusual that that market is totally flipped. Now you're seeing put buy. So I could see a correction come here five or 10 percent back down to the downside in something like FX, FXI, where people take some profit here. It's had quite a run. I would sort of limit my exposure. All right. Well, another ETF that options traders are turning bearish on, home construction. Carter, do you also see this reversing course? Well, we have a, a tale of two stories here. Uh, we've got dedicated home builders continuing higher, Toll, Horton, and so forth. But the big um, sort of related stocks, that's Home Depot, that's Lowe's, that Sherwin-Williams out with earnings this week that were nothing short of a disaster. And you can see in the ETF here, we're up against the, the downtrend line, in effect, since the high. I think you faded here. Yeah, Mike? Yeah, I mean, this is a situation when you're thinking about the suppliers, bear in mind that lumber prices have actually gone back up. They're not to their all-time highs that we saw during the pandemic, but they are certainly elevated from a historical perspective. Copper prices, too. But maybe the biggest issue, in addition to seeing higher rates and some resistance in terms of home purchases, is home inventories. New home inventories did fall a little bit, about nine months supply right now down from 10. But let's think about that. 10 months of new home inventory was a level that we'd only seen once before. And that was during the housing bubble crash in 2009. Wow, Brian? Yeah, I mean, Mike mentioned that lumber prices, lumber futures ticking up significantly in the last uh, just a couple of days, even a few, couple few weeks here. So. When you take a look at some of the home builders here, I'm a little cautious on there myself. I think there is some downside pressure. Some of the activity we're seeing maybe suggests that it's got, you know, not so much room to run. One thing is, though, the 10-year falling back down to 3.5%. People that did buy, let's say, call it, you know, six months to a year ago are now going to be able to refinance at lower rates. Maybe they'll have a little cash in their pocket. Maybe now mortgage rates are a little cheaper and people start to then buy homes and take some of this inventory out. That's the one risk you have to the upside here. But this is due for a pullback. It's had a big run, and, it, and the fundamentals don't look great. All right. Um, and moving along here, unusually warm winter weather, leaving natural gas nowhere to go but down. Does that continue, Carter? Well, this would be a, a so bad it's good. Uh, in my <laughs> estimation, we know nat gas is down 75% from its peak, literally a freefall. There is an ETF. It's the U.S. Natural Gas Fund, UNG, the ticker. We're right back to a well-defined prior low. I think it holds here. It reversed heavy volume to the upside today. Closed well. I'm a buyer. Yeah, it's been much warmer than normal, Brian. It, it, it certainly has. And we've seen option activity play to the upside here. Uh, we've seen call spread buyers to the upside. It's probably a way to trade this stock because Something like UNG is quite volatile. We've seen it plummet before and then just never recover. So, yes, we could hit some of those lows here. But I would use call spreads or call options to play this to the upside where I'm sort of risking a certain amount of premium, defined premium, 
to play back to the upside if I'm going to play it that way here. You know, obviously the sell-off is big. Carter highlighted the lows here in UNG. Maybe this is a point to step in, but use options to do that. Yeah. What do they call Natty? Mike, they call the widowmaker. I mean, this is how volatile net gas can be. Uh, yeah, I would say that the folks at Amaranth uh, would agree. There are some, obviously, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> appreciate just how dangerous this can be. I'm a former natural gas uh, options trader myself. In the UNG, we actually saw a purchase of 8,000 calls. It was the March 11s that they were buying, paying about 74 cents. You know, actually, to Brian's point, I think buying the March 10, 13 call spread is probably a better bet. That would cost about 80 cents. And doing that would actually lower your upside break even by about 9 to 10% of the current level of UNG. What do you think of the tweak, Brian? Yeah, uh, I like it, actually. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. It kind of fits right in the sweet spot. You're not outlaying a lot of capital to play to the upside. We added names like Valero. So, I mean, there is some opportunity here. NACRAS moves higher. Some of those names move higher. You can play the ETF with this call spread. I like it. All right, let's get to the most actively traded options and perhaps unsurprisingly, Tesla leads and now accounts for roughly, get this, 7% of all options trading on an average day. But perhaps surprisingly, what is right behind it? Meta. So, Mike, we want to ask uh, if you want to avoid the headline risk in Tesla but still capitalize on activity, how do we play Meta? Yeah, so first of all, Meta is a name we, we actually own. It's had a heck of a run, though. So if you haven't had the good fortune to own the stock, just seeing this bounce that we've seen since those uh, late October, early November lows, I think you could follow some of the institutional flows that we saw this week. Uh, the biggest print we saw was actually in the Feb 152 and a half calls. Uh, just under 3,000 of those were purchased for about $7.30. Now, this name's going to be reporting earnings. It's implying a much larger than average move, about 10%. And actually, you can figure that out here. For those who are ever asking that question, you want to know how much the implied move is, take a look at earnings, look at the straddle, the price of the at-the-money call and put, put them together, divide by the price of the stock, and that's going to give you your implied move. But right now, we are seeing more bets to the upside going into earnings. Which is staggering. I mean, if you consider the move from its low, Carter, I mean, it's like 60-something percent. Yes, it's quite it's quite something. And of course, that low was set after a quarterly miss where the stock mm-hmm. dropped some 20 uh, plus percent in response to the news. A tough one for me here. I, I would say it's best done through options, just getting long the stock after a move like this, uh, hard to do. And yet fighting the strength in this instance, it's so persistent. Uh, I wouldn't want to be short either. OK, for everything options action, check out our website and newsletter. We've got much more options action right after this. Still to come, Alphabet versus Amazon. Two tech giants coming out with results. Two giant option strategies to get out ahead of them. Which one will you choose? Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. 
Welcome back to Options Action. There's a huge slate of earnings on deck. Big tech, transports, autos, pharma stocks, and more all gearing up to report. And we're homing in on two of the biggest tech names on the board. So let's start with Alphabet. Brian, you say that earnings spell gains here. I think it does. I mean, we got a little bit of an indication from Netflix in terms of the streaming side of it and the YouTube premium in terms of Google and Alphabet and what they do. And so I think there's going to be some upside there. Remember, Netflix moved up about eight and a half percent after its earnings. So I think there's potential move to the upside there. You couple it. I mean, it's only trading at about a 20 P.E. forward looking here. So it's not like it's a crazy valuation for the stock. It hasn't moved quite as much as the rest of the NASDAQ. It's probably one of the two mega cap names of the thing that I actually really like and we continue to hold both for myself and for clients. And so I think you can play it to the upside. I'd like to use options to do that, though, after the run we've seen in, in the NASDAQ and the rest of those thing names. So ahead of earnings, the stock could move five and a half percent. That's what option traders say. I'm looking to buy the February 104 call at the same time, sell the 110 call. So I'm buying a call spread and to offset that cost. I'm also selling the February 95 put. Now, I actually get to collect 50 cents. So if nothing really happens to the stock after earnings here around this $100 mark, I'm okay. I collect the 50 cents. I think there's asymmetric here, meaning that to the upside, we crack through that 104 mark. I think it quickly moves to 110. If the stock has bad earnings, yes, it could go down. I'm picking that 95 strike. I'm okay owning Google at that level because I think it kind of sits around that that area and sort of sits still there. So I'm okay with that. I collect 50 cents. It's a great way to just sort of lower my cost and still play to the upside. You like that trade, Mike? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things here. In, in a market where we've seen a lot of stocks sort of ricochet hard off bottoms, that's when these call spread risk reversals can sometimes make sense because you are caught chasing. What's particularly appealing to me in, in Google I don't know what forward estimates it is that uh, Brian's looking at necessarily. I think most of the street's expecting nearly $5.70 a share. So that actually gets us to about 17 and a half times uh, full year EPS. And of course, about 7% of the share price is actually just net cash. They've got over $90 billion in net cash. And so that multiple actually gets below 17 times X cash. And you know, I think that's one of the reasons why you can feel comfortable owning the stock at a lower price. And of course, you know, in situations where you're going into earnings, you're going to see slightly elevated premium. That vol suck works in your favor in a trade structure like this. Yeah, Carter, your thoughts on the chart? I'm in the pair of twos camp here, so no big trade. 150-day moving average is only two dollars above. Uh, I suspect uh, not much upside. Better to use an options trade. I had to look up what pair of twos actually meant the other day. <laughs> wasn't quite sure. I knew it was not good. Um, also reporting on Thursday, Amazon, that stock has been on an absolute tear so far this year, up more than 20% already. So with earnings sitting in the cart, Mike is laying out a way to play the e-commerce giant. Mike. Yeah. So, you know, Amazon is, is a tough one for me. It's not a stock that we own. Uh, first of all, let's just take a look at, at the good news. Uh, this is a stock that rallied very sharply on online sales into the pandemic. I'm not sure that they really delivered quite in terms of EPS during that period, but the stock rocketed higher uh, in that pandemic, uh, basically bubble, I would almost suggest, and it has come back in. So we're now taking a look at a valuation for Amazon that's roughly uh, leveled to its pre-pandemic price. So I think that's, that's a potential positive. Uh, you know, one of the downsides, of course, is that we're now dealing with post-pandemic headwinds. And we heard some of that from Microsoft. You know, you take a look at even their better businesses like cloud and so on. And then we hear that, you know, business spending is under some pressure. 
Uh, right now, the options market has a much larger than average implied move. Uh, so unlike Brian, where I'm not sure that I'm comfortable owning it at a mild discount to the current stock price, I'm simply looking at a call spread if you're inclined to take a bullish bet going into earnings here. You're using a call spread because you want to sell an option against the one you buy because we do see those elevated premiums. I was looking out to March, buying as close to at the money as I could. The 105 calls, those were going to cost me a little over five bucks, selling the 120s against it for a buck 19, an outlay of just over four bucks a share on a stock that uh, is about 102 and a half ish or so as of the close. So you're risking about 4% of the current stock price to make that bullish bet, which, by the way, is significantly less than the implied move of, of over 8%. Yeah, Carter, how does the chart look? Well, in this case, we're, we're coming off a, a bad heavy volume drop in gap last quarter, plunged from 100 to 110 to 100. I think we're going to retrace that to the upside. Uh, the chart that you'll see is annotated. We have a well-defined head and shoulders bottom, one. We've moved above the downtrend line, two. And that circle is where we dropped in gap from in response to earnings. It was the third quarterly miss in a row. That's only happened one other time in the past decade. Is Amazon going to miss a fourth quarter in a row? I don't think so. Brian, your take. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you take a look at it, not only do you get Amazon as a consumer discretionary, which maybe has, lends itself to some risk given the interest rate environment, but the cloud computing side, what we heard from Microsoft's call, their earnings call, that was very strong for them. I suspect that will be the case for Amazon as well. That plays to the upside. And then Mike mentioned free cash flow with Google Alphabet, and that's why maybe to sell a put because that's a company that's laying off, cutting costs. We'll have that free cash flow. I'm okay owning that kind of stock. This may be a little bit more volatile, Amazon. Only playing a call spread. I like that a lot on Mike's call to the upside. All right, up next, we're getting the latte lowdown on a past Starbucks trade and a new way to play the coffee chain. Don't go anywhere. More options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Earlier this month, Brian laid out a way to sip on some Starbucks options if you thought shares were a little too hot. Shares trended lower but have recently surged. So, Brian, what is this new caffeine call? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of got it wrong. Actually, when we first put the put spread on, actually, the stock did have a pullback. I expected a little bit of a pullback. Then by expiration, <coughs> that thing went out worthless, and the stock did go higher here. I think, though, put spreads make very good risk re reward, especially after the stock has had such a huge run. I think there's some risk to the downside. Option traders expecting over a 5% move when they report earnings. And if that's so, that takes the stock, if it's negative, to the downside. You're talking about 105, 104. So I'm looking to buy a put spread, keep myself hedged in something like this kind of stock here that has a lot of exposure to EEM. If we have any kind of pullback after the run we've seen, buying a March 110 100 put spread, the cost is only $3 for this, and it can pay $7 if it you know goes down below 100. There's a lot of gaps in the stock down below 100 here. It seems like a good hedge because you know if, if it reports well, great. It gaps 5% or whatever to the upside. Maybe it retests its highs at 120, but I can stay protected in a stock position like this that still has some decent fundamentals. I just think it's been a little bit overrun at this point. Mike, what do you think? I think the valuation looks awfully rich here. I mean, four bucks is what they're expecting for basically full year 2024. I should say fiscal year 2024. That's the highest that the company ever would have earned on an earnings per share basis. And it would be 27 times that number. And that's a little pricey, over 30 times basically what we're expecting this fiscal year. 
it, it's priced for perfection. I, I realize that coffee is a hard thing to give up, but you know, it, it really has to hit everything right to justify the current price. When it's like seven bucks a cup, I mean, <laughs> that seems like a no-brainer to give up, Carter. What do you think of the chart here? I mean, this has been one of the best performing large cap stocks. It bottomed way before the market in the spring, never dipped in October. But the problem is just what you've heard. It's come too far. It's full or expensive, whatever word one wants to use. I'm a seller. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, with the higher trading volume in options, do you like CBOE before next week's earnings? The chart looks all over the place. How would you play it? What do you think, Brian? Well, I I own the stock, but I don't necessarily like it here. Their whole complex is VIX options and S&P options. And the Minnesota Grain Exchange is now listing spikes futures, which we as a firm are going to start trading ourselves. I think others will follow suit. They have tight markets. It's a little bit cheaper to trade. It's going to be a disruptor for the VIX options and futures market for the CBOE. So I don't love the stock right now. All right. Well, our next tweet asks, how bullish are you guys on Etsy? Carter, how bullish are you on Etsy? I would, I, I would say very bullish. Uh, oh. Large long here, a textbook bearish to bullish reversal buy. Wow. Um, I wouldn't have guessed that one. Time for one more tweet. <laughs> this one asks, why is the VIX below 19 going into the Fed meeting? Seems way too low and a great opportunity to load up on SPY and QQQ puts. Do you agree? Mike, do you agree? Damn right, I agree. It's amazing. <laughs> We've got, we could easily be surprised by the FOMC. Right now, you could buy a 30 delta one month put for about 1% of the underlier. I'm talking about like Feb 24th weekly 397 puts for about four bucks in SPY. We were below that level just about a week ago. So why not? All right. It is time for the final call. Last call from the options pits. Carter Braxtonworth, what do you say? Buying the dollar. UUP is the ETF that'll get you done. Brian Sutlin. Google, I still like it ahead of earnings next week. You can do the call spread with the put and make it cheap to own the upside. Mike Coe. You know, I love that question we got. I mean, options premiums have come in quite a lot. We've got big news coming up. We've got a lot of earnings on deck. I think buying spy puts makes a lot of sense. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll see you next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time for another show. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.